glad you could join us for episode 134 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Ashley Scott. Tonight, we're here to discuss episode 11 of season two, titled The Beresford Agenda. But before we get to that, Wayne and I want to remind you that we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab you can of course record your own audio clip send the mp3 as an attachment or just send us a tweet at sci-fi tv rewatch and we'd encourage you to consider joining the facebook group and join the discussions there and if we were a little bit younger we'd have stayed up late last night and watched the ravens game and maybe even see the miracle finish that put our team at four and seven instead of three and eight woohoo four and seven baby so uh yeah if we can knock off uh what five straight yeah we could we could put a real playoffs cap on this season but no no, don't even don't even you can't even think that now so all right well you know this isn't exactly sci-fi news in the traditional sense but we are going to be covering the sci-fi special event series of arthur c Clarke's childhoods end with our friend mike with whom i co-host the sandbox of marvel's agents of shield podcast and formerly the liberate a continuum podcast among some other shows for tv talk and golden spiral media this will be hosted and published through golden spiral media but of course we'll have links on our website and, and we'll certainly play it up and try to get you guys over there so the three of us are going to be discussing each of the three two-hour broadcasts as well as an introductory show which we recorded last week it, it basically looks at the novel that the uh, series is based on you know wayne you did a a look at invasion movies uh, and some novels right and then i don't right. even remember what mike talked about uh, all the actors he talked about the, the, the actors right yeah. like, uh, you know i just I, I i kind of feel like a little bit at, at for the at least the episode zero like the stupid kid in the room because i hadn't read the book and i'm like uh i don't know what's supposed to happen well but you know what i i mean i think that's good and that's one of the things i like about scapecast which is a uh, i don't know if you've ever listened to them where they talk about farscape unfortunately they don't publish them very often but they usually have three to four people one of whom is always somebody that's never seen it before and and i think that's a great way to look at it and 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 look you you know we've talked many times about these superhero shows that we do that i don't want to go back and research the the catalog of the backstory of all the comics and all you know let's just judge the show so you know i think it's good that you haven't read it okay all right so you guys aren't looking down no well maybe Uh, maybe a little (laughs) uh we did get a little bit of listener feedback this week uh via twitter and and it was from denise who says hey guys nice podcast one critique jessica jones is not an inhuman she's superhuman and to be fair i think you were kind of mentioning that during the podcast i said i was not comfortable with with the inhuman uh label right so i'm not sure if you said superhuman and i'm still a little bit sketchy on what exactly a superhuman is and and you know who other superhumans would be uh because it seems as if these are individuals who have these powers that are not the result of some sort of uh, a a nuclear explosion or whatever you know what i'm getting at getting bit by a spider right right. so something like that so you know the the traditional ways of gaining superpowers of right And, and this of course all came out in our look at the jessica jones pilot episode 
And I haven't gone past episode one. I just don't have time. But I definitely, as soon as I'm done with The Man in the High Castle, I'm going to try to finish up Jessica Jones. Yeah, and you just said the exact words. Had it not been for The Man in the High Castle, I'd probably watch Jessica Jones last week. Yeah, you're done. Unfortunately. Right? I've got two more episodes to go, which uh, I guess I'll have to wait till tomorrow. I don't think I'm going to get to them tonight. Um, But Denise also says she is superhuman. Inhuman equals underfay. Nice lost girl reference there. Uh, yeah. This is what was meant when they said she's one of them, meaning she's one of those people with superpowers. Inhuman is an agents of shield term meant to characterize as less than human or subhuman. Jessica Jones is superhuman. So I appreciate that, Denise. And, uh, you know, we haven't decided whether we're going to look at any more Jessica Jones episodes. Uh, never say never, dude. But never say never. So. That's right. Hey, you know, I'm just thinking, cause, and you should know this, because aren't the Inhumans in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're inhuman because they have, like, alien DNA, well, right? Well, right. They have that, that dormant d- uh, alien gene that right. once they, uh, you know, in, in this case, they're uh, ingesting it through the fish oil, and then it activates it and... That's where that's coming from. So, yeah, I'm still taking fish oil every day, and so far, no dice. <laughs> There's one other post that Ruthie made on the Facebook group, and I'm not going to read her post. You can check it out, but it's about Brainiac, which we talked about last time on Dark Angel. And if you know, if you're into the Dark Angel podcast, check it out. If you're into the Dark Angel podcast, you should be listening to us right now, right? Exactly. So, okay. All right. Well, speaking of Dark Angel, let's move forward. We're looking at Season 2, Episode 11, The Beresford Agenda, written by Moira Curlin-Decker, who also wrote Episode 1 of Season 2, Designate This. She did Episode 20 of Season 1, Hit a Sister Back, and the classic Episode 9 of Season 1, Blah, Blah, Woof, Woof. And, oh yeah, there's some good ones. And well, the uh, the director Thomas J. Wright did episode three of season two, Proof of Purchase, which was a pretty good one. But I think we both really liked episode eighteen of season one, Polo Loco. Oh, yeah, Polo yeah. Loco, that was awesome. And this one aired January eighteenth, two thousand and two. Now, there's certainly one guest star that caught my attention. But when we were talking, I think it was yesterday, you said, "Did you see who the guest star was? Is that who you were talking about?" Well, I, I, all I said was that the girl looked familiar. Okay. And it's, of course, Megan Ori, who play, of course. plays Beresford's daughter, Rachel. And I certainly know her as the FBI partner of Josh Holloway in Intelligence, which, again, was one of those shows that was one and done, I think, killed before its time. You didn't watch it, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Out, out, brief candle. Yep. And then uh, she is Red Riding Hood in Once Upon a Time. So uh, this was... I've seen neither of those shows. uh, You know, season one was really good. Season two, I got halfway through, and the storyline with Peter Pan was just a a, a killer to me, and I just never went back, even though, uh, like The Leftovers, apparently it recovered pretty quickly. So... I don't know. I can't see ever having the time to go back to finish up Once Upon a Time. But I, I just I don't I don't know how you've been married this long. You you just get out so quickly, man. Like you just bail on the relationship the second it uh, it doesn't please yeah, you. Good point. Good point. So uh, <laughs> well, listen. Speaking of pleasing, would you say is it it's an overstatement that this is really a Jensen Ackles tour de force? 
That is definitely not an overstatement at all. He, yeah, he does it all in this one. Even plays the piano. He, I'm not sure he was really playing right, but uh, because obviously you have so much more experience with him as an actor in, yes. in Supernatural than I do, and, and while I really have liked him in Dark Angel, it was really nice to see that this, you know. Uh, character-centric episode because we don't really see very many of these in dark angel i mean we saw one sort of when cindy's girlfriend showed up right but but right. beyond that who yep. have we really seen we're still waiting for that that uh, sketchy episode yeah but, well uh, we haven't really even had i mean w- w- look we know logan's backstory more or less sure but you know it, yeah but there's never been like i don't know if you really had one with logan with um, Max out of the picture, no. right? No, that's probably not right. But well, I can't think of right. One. Uh, so, so this was really, really uh, interesting for me. And uh, look, I love the opening scene. I know you'll find that hard to believe because it takes place at Jam Pony, and and you know, at first, it just seems silly. And I'm thinking it's even going to be a pointless throwaway. But we do learn a lot about why Alec is the Alec we know, and and witness eventually one of the more powerful stories to come out of manticore i mean we've seen you know i mean we saw the couple the you know the mermaid couple and that was pretty powerful yeah, that was pretty good uh, yeah. but uh, joshua uh, and, and right and certainly joshua although i guess with joshua there's been so much humor involved with his story as well not not that he's a comic relief character because he certainly isn't and in this episode, well, he he's, kind of is. he certainly develops even more. Joshua, well, they often do use Joshua's comic relief, though, you know. Well, well, yeah, they absolutely do. We get so much of his backstory. More importantly, we see his human side and, and the fact that he does have emotions. And, and, you know, mentioning Joshua, it really does seem as if Joshua knows him best. And like we've mentioned a, a number of times the dynamic between Max and Alec and, and how, you know, it's got all the ingredients for shippers, but we know that's never going to happen. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't know it's never going to happen, but you know, like if this had maybe four or five seasons, we'd say maybe it could happen there sometime. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we can't see them like her dumping Logan while they still can't get together for Alec, you know, like that would be, it just wouldn't be consistent storytelling. Well, no, I, and I agree with that, but I guess I also do think they really, and maybe it's because of the genetics, maybe you know, it, it's because of the, uh, you know, the way they were created, that they really do see each other as brother and sister, and it and it's incestual, and, and I love the way they just battle like brothers and sisters mm-hmm. often do. Right. But you know, what I saw this episode that I hadn't seen before was Max getting like jealous, right? Like I think she was actually jealous and like she doesn't want to hear – now she probably might, she might not want to hear about the girls fighting over Alec just because she's disgusted with him for it. But, you know, it seems like also there's like this kind of like hint of jealousy there. See, uh, see that's weird because I didn't – you know, I didn't really see that. I guess I thought she was kind of, like you said, initially disgusted and, and I really kind of stayed with that, but yeah, that's probably the, the more likely read of that, but just the one see when she's telling Logan, uh, about, um, I put about Ben, uh, she's telling Logan about Alec. She, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just asked, I wrote my notes, like, is she slightly jealous here? You know? So I mean, I just, 
seemed to catch a little whiff. That's probably just how my mind well, works. Well, but I think your read is, you know, makes much more well, sense. Well, but on the other that, hand, I mean, maybe she's jealous of the fact that even if they are casual uh, relationships, he can at least have a casual physical relationship. And maybe she's jealous of that, that, that because she and Logan can't have that. Right. Yeah, good point. So uh, at first I thought you were going to say you're jealous of uh, Asha, but uh, which we'll get to in a minute. That was pretty cool right. as well. Um, but the other thing is, you know, we see a specific mission for the X-5s. And I don't know that we ever really saw Max on any missions while she was in Manticore. I mean, with the kids. Well, no, because she wasn't like battle ready yet. Well, right. right? But then remember, she went back when she was older and we had those scenes where she was in the fatigues. Oh, right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and with yeah. the girl from Battlestar Galactica was in her unit, yes. Grace Park. Uh, but right. still, I don't know that we saw them in on any missions. So, you know, we see here and, and learn that Alec had had four previous missions, but this was his first deep cover. And, you know, we do have that scene later in the episode where he tells her, you just don't understand. You know, you got you guys thought all those war games in the woods were, you know, really bad. Well, you have no idea. And the truth is, she doesn't have any idea what he went through. Right. And, you know, we hadn't thought about that either, that, you know, oh, yeah, it's great for Max. She escaped, but there's a bunch that didn't. And obviously that escape made things much worse for them afterwards. Well, you know, did it make it worse because, you know, there was some sort of reprisal or was it just simply would it have been worse anyway? You know what I mean? Because. They, they weren't right. going to put them out on these missions until they were old enough. But I, I think the, you know, Alec is insinuating that it was even worse because they had left, that there was some kind of, you know, payback. I don't know if payback is where, I mean, they might've just been like a general tightening of security and lack of distrust and taking away of liberties that they might've had before. You sure. Know? No, no question. And, and perhaps they even, you know, accelerated the time frame by which they were going to put them out in the field. Maybe they uh, forced them to go out on more missions than they ordinarily would have them go out on because, you know, even as X fives, they probably needed to come back, be debriefed physically and emotionally. Yeah. Well, we see that, right? Right. Sure. So, you know, maybe in that regard that it just made it, you know, that much worse up, uh, you know, now we, we know about the Manticore breeding partners, but this was perhaps his first experience with true affection. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I, look, we don't know what his other experiences with breeding partners was. I mean, we saw when he shows up with Max, that didn't go too well, but didn't seem to bother yeah. him because right. he's always okay. Right. And that's the thing, you know, like, yeah, that's what a great end line, you know, just like, I'm, I'm always fine. You know, like, don't worry about me. And, you know, obviously it's him, you know, hiding behind that kind of bluster or, or that, um, that shell of confidence that inside he's, he's not quite, we see him, we see him shaken. We see him really affected by uh, things in this episode. Yeah. Physically and literally you see his hands shaking there at that, in that one scene at the end. I wondered how you were going to react to the scene when Alec finds Rachel in the coma. And then it's as if now that he's returned, then she can die. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care for it. I, I thought maybe he was going to like inject her with some X5 blood or something. And she would, you know, zip back. So I guess, you know, what they did was better than, than my idea. 
You know, now that you mention it, no, no, why didn't he? Right, because it happened before, right? Sure. Yeah, I'm saying that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It seems so obvious. See, I thought she was going to open her eyes and, and snap out of the coma, but right. I think your way is it makes a lot more sense given the fact that it's been done before in the show. Um, yeah. But you know, you mentioned look, he he's been broken i think on 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 certainly one level by this experience and and i guess we're wondering what's it going to take for him to put this behind him if he's even able to do that and and you know is he having a more difficult time than max putting manticore in the past i mean i think the obvious answer is yes yeah but clearly so i think he's in general he i mean he's kind of like a dude like he doesn't show it on the outside you know, like he, if something bothers him, he, he's like got kind of that stoic exterior. You're never going to know what I, how I think, or you never are going to know the real me. Whereas Max is, you know, she emotes, right? Yeah. And when what's bothering her, she expresses things that are bothering her. When they're bothering her, when Alex either brushes them aside or buries them. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because you mentioned. Uh, Which my wife tells me that's not healthy. <laughs> I mean, she's probably right. But, <laughs> but you know, you mentioned in Jessica Jones about the the way they turn conventions all around. And, you know, in a sense, they did the opposite here. They, they kept the conventions very straight in, in that, like sure. you said, that, that the you know, the girls are emotional and, and the guys are sort of stoic about these things. And, and I thought that was interesting, especially uh, even Logan. Well, you know, what's the big deal? So he was dating them both at the same time. Yeah. He didn't say that. He, yeah, and, and Josh was like nodding his head. Yeah, really? And, and, and you know, the, the way that, that Joshua and Alec, uh, of course, have bonded on, you know, at least on one level. And, you know, it was al- almost like the guys were together and, and then the girls were sort of together. And that line that Cindy has, you know, men, dogs, you're all the same. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, you know, I mentioned the opening scene at Jampony and apparently Alex been dating two different Jampony riders who've now found out about each other. Uh, Kind of funny. Normal, apparently doing his best to keep them from killing each other. I I like the scene sketchy is sort of at the feet of the master, you know, just soaking up Alex's best lines. That's not that's not a bad line. It's not. I think, you know. Alex a little full of himself until the girls yes, realize she was a unique creature, unlike any other. I mean, that's decent. It is decent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but instead of facing the music, he goes with Max on her delivery run. And that's when the whole episode again, just flipped around completely because now we're outside of this huge house, elaborate gate. She tells him to ring the buzzer, and that's when he starts flashing back. And we haven't seen a flashback in a while. No, yeah, it's been a while. And, yeah, and, and for obviously we've never seen an Alec flashback at all, right? I don't think so. And apparently he was sent in undercover by Manticore. He's wearing a suit, looks very distinguished. And then we're back in real time, and he doesn't want to wait around. And we also obviously see the camera, which is mechanized, and, and, and you know certainly – we know, okay, he doesn't want to be seen. And that's one of the reasons he wants to get out of here so quickly. But obviously we learn it's a lot more than just that. You know, I like how they do the flashbacks here where we learn a little bit more each time he has that flashback, right? Yeah. And, and they, they don't spend a ton of time 
and you know it's it's just even the it's sort of like a gauzy look over it so yeah yeah i really like the way they did it and then we go to joshua hosting the dinner party and (laughs) and again just like the jamponi scene we think this is going to be okay this is just going to be you know the comic relief scene Right. But it's but it's anything but no, so not funny, so awkward. Yeah, and and you know Max, Logan, Cindy, and Alec, and even the opening scene there where it's just Cindy and Joshua. I loved the dynamic, you know, because you know we've spoken many times. Cindy knows exactly what's going on with Manticore and all of that, and she's comfortable with it. It's just the way that that she's befriended him, he's befriended her, and and I just love the, you know, the the whole setting of the table, but. Alec is clearly upset about what happened at the gate and Max doesn't realize it. And she does what she always does, which is verbal spars. Yep. Yeah. He's not up for it tonight. No. And, and Uh, Logan comes to his defense, like, like I mentioned a minute ago, but uh, it's, you know, not doing any good. He goes down to the Joshua doesn't help things with the virus bitch going down. Uh, Max and Logan getting busy comment, you know? Uh, like, yeah. And the little fist fist. <laughs> yeah. You know, the I old, mean, I've only heard him say it like three or four times and I'm already kind of sick of it. So, uh, I can only imagine how Max, she must, you know, she's just like, will you shut up? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Alec goes down to Joshua's basement, finds a piano and just starts playing beautifully. And then of course we go to the flashback and we learn that he went undercover as a piano teacher, but, Okay, uh, I guess in his cocktail, father must have put classical pianist in there. Yeah, well, no, no, because they just, they said they had just, uh, like, it was just a couple days, right? No, one day they said the lesson started just the day before. Right. Oh, so you're saying, like, they they put that innate ability in there. Yeah, and he had to have a little bit of training, but he picked it up. They didn't give him like a piano player shot or something like that. Right, not like Dollhouse. Right. Right. Well, that was pretty cool though. You had to admit when they did it. But so, okay, so here's my thing. Because we did mention, I said Jensen Ackles plays the piano. Because I'm like watching this, I'm like, you know, that might actually be Jensen. I I know, I'm not stupid. I know they have body doubles and shots, but I'm like watching and like there were a couple times when they, you know, he's, playing the piano they show the shot and the camera pans up to his face you know it doesn't it doesn't cut to his face it pans up to his face so it's all one shot now of course you could say well he could have just been wailing away at like a piano and they could put anything on the soundtrack that's true but i don't know to me it either a he was really playing or b they did a great job of the believability factor yeah and and personally i always contend that the actors that make it can do a lot of things other than just act. So whether it's that they sure. also can sing, they can dance. And so, you know, again, how many have there have a band that, you know, goes out and tours, you know, when they're not acting. I mean, so yeah, I I'm with you because I noticed that in a couple of scenes as well, even the actual first scene and granted it was a, you know, kind of a simple, slow line, but still he played it as if he was somebody that played the piano. Yeah. And you know, when they, they always, whenever they do it, like a movie or something, you just see the hands moving and then they cut to a shot of the face. Right. Right. And I think they deliberately had those shots, a number of shots that where they, you know, went from the hands and panned up to the face rather than the cut, like just to show you, Hey, this dude was really playing the piano. Yeah. So and I, I thought the same thing that you did, like, well, yeah, of course, if you make it, 
in show business, you, you're a talented person, you're a talented performer, and you can probably, as you said, can, are, are good at a number of uh, you know, performance-based things. Yeah, and like you said, we're not naive about it, but if, if they did do that, they did it really well. Right. So if anyone out there knows if uh, Jensen Ackles is actually an accomplished piano player, can really play the piano, uh, drop us a line. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, Jensen, if you're listening, drop us a line. Let us know. Do an interview, man. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we're back at the present, and he's holding a heart necklace, which we learn belonged to the daughter. Alec goes home, and this is the first time the phone rings, and he only hears piano music on the other end. Now, obviously, we know that it's the father who's making these calls. So clearly, he has... Tra- well, we don't know well, that. Well, I mean, we learn it later. Right. I mean, so, I mean yeah. we don't know it at this point. But I guess my right. question as we get to the end is, okay, so his father has tracked down Alec? I guess. I mean, obviously... Yeah. Well... Yeah, well, I mean, I guess they just you know had him followed. Does he know he's they, a manticore? Well, well so. no, but they just followed him after. Well, oh, he might have. Well, he probably puzzled that one out there, right? I guess that he had something to do with manticore because he was worried about manticore uh, back then, and then the bomb gets put under, and so he probably figured this this guy was an assassin from manticore. Um, but yeah, as far as just figuring out where Alec physically is now. It's as easy as just having someone, you know, seeing, catching him on the camera and then having someone, you know, realize he works for Champoni. I mean, there's all kinds of ways they could have gotten to him, you know? Yeah. The, the, the barcode is still problematic for me, but I guess I'll let that go. Well, speaking of bars, I mean, that's where they, they get them, right? Right. So. seems like that's where they get everybody. Which is what I said. They keep going to the same goddamn bar, man. Like if you're in some covert operation, you don't keep going to the same. Like you probably shouldn't be drinking at all. You should probably have to keep a clear head at all times. But if you are, don't go to the same place every time. Were you kidding me? That's Wayne's tip number one. There you go. Kitties. <laughs> all right. Anyway, Alec returns home, begins reliving an incident from his undercover operation. And, and again, we love how they're interspersing this. He informs his handlers that the daughter invited him to dinner and they were a little surprised that, you know, that there might be a little romantic entanglement here because, you know, as Max later alludes, I think it's to Logan that it's not exactly like at Manticore, they encouraged us to have relationships and they immediately instruct him to use it to his advantage. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and it's, what we have known about Manticore and we see here is that they, you know, these are human beings that they're toying with and trying to control and trying to treat like robots. Uh, and then they get upset when they act like human beings. Right. Right. And now on the one hand, this girl is 17. She didn't look 17. Though, well, she, you well, you know what? She, she's 20 in real life when she made that. Okay. So 20, I'd buy, but 17, I don't think so. And then I thought he said that she was in a coma for two years. Two years. Right. But her headstone, she would have only been 18 when she died. So, all right. I'll, I'll, okay. Uh, maybe I have the math mixed up, but <laughs> I don't know, someone mixed up the math somewhere. All right. So uh, at the pool that night, the daughter suggests they go for a swim. <laughs> then I'm making air quotes go for a swim. Yeah, a little brown chicken, uh, brown cow. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, Max has to end up going back to the house to get the signature because he threw it over the fence when he realized what house it was. And that's when she sees that family portrait on the wall, notices the girl's necklace and makes the connection to the one Alec has. So, uh, you know, I like that. I, you know, I, I like the, you know, the little detective work that she does and yeah. Keep- uh, like now that like lockets are all over the place. Now I'm watching man, the high castle and yeah. And this and everything is just lockets left, right and center. Yeah. Uh, so we've got that scene. He's copying files from her father's computer. She, the daughter catches him, but only tells him that she loves him, right? She gets that look on her face and you think she's going to expose him. And that's all she was worried about. And then suddenly back in in real time he's hallucinating that he sees her i think he does it once or twice in this episode uh yeah because he like he thinks he sees her in the window right yeah. and then another time he sees her in the mirror yeah then and then you know one of the most poignant scenes in the episode that doesn't involve alec directly takes place now and that max finds joshua working on a portrait of alec i think he says joshua 57 Yes, please. Yep. Pick number 57. Yeah. Alec. And Max is taken aback, I think, by the depth of Joshua's take on Alec. Alec only outsmarts himself. Outside, lots of pretty colors. Inside, darkness. Confusion. And yeah. and I, I think Max, like us, is like, wow. Yeah. And like that Alec doesn't know himself. Right. But I think, to me, the bigger reveal is the depth of Joshua. Sure. You know, because we saw how he got started painting and, and look, I guess you could argue that he was a natural, that he had it in him, that, that, you know, there have been many painters that just start painting and, and, and while that may be true, just the development of him as an artist and, and, uh, uh right. Well, and it, you know, if you have that artistic sensibility, then you are able to see into like into people's souls, right? You yeah. see beyond what is, uh, merely on the outside, you find a way for the outside to represent what's going on inside. Yeah. And I think the irony here is that, I mean, look, obviously the show is about Max, but I just think it's so interesting that we, you know, the depth here comes out of Alec and Joshua rather than her. And, and you know, not that we haven't seen it out of her because we have, but I don't know. You know, it just, it really hit me in this episode with these. Sure. Two. No, that, that was a great scene. And, you know, when you think about it also, I mean, Joshua has kind of a little bit more time on his hand to reflect on, on life and yeah. things, right? Yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, he nails it. You know, Joshua nails it. He has, Joshua really has that way of kind of um, understanding what people are thinking at their most basic level. And that's the whole, you know, virus bitch going down, Max and Logan getting busy. Um, though I said I'm getting sick of that line, and I truly am. Uh, it is a truism that is really kind of like this thing that's really foremost on the mind of of Logan and Max both. Yeah, and how can it not be? And sure, you know, to verbalize it, like you said, don't overdo it. And maybe they have already, but you know, it is on everybody's mind. Now, right. I'm probably going to regret this, Max says, <laughs> but she goes over to Alec at the bar to see if she can help. And that's, again, another one of these scenes, you know, you don't understand, right? He tells yeah. her that he got it a lot worse. And then he, yeah. he tells her that line, you did what you had to do, and then you tried to forget it. Right, which 
refers to not just what Max did, but also what he did as well. Well, yeah, I think more than what he did. And, and, you know, it's almost that, you know, it's that kind of thing where you see whether it's the, you know, the soldier or, or, you know, somebody that's, that's forced to do something that they, they view as reprehensible, that they view as ethically, morally wrong, yet they feel like they have to do it. And then what do they do after they do it? They, you know, that maybe we see them in the bar and they're drinking or using drugs, something to dull the pain of right. what they've done. Hey, so to, we did talk about Jessica Jones. So exactly. So, so to see him at the bar, you know, drinking like this is perfectly expected. And, you know, you did what you had to do and then you tried to forget. And when you couldn't forget, he says they had things to make right. you forget. And, right. and you, you know, then we see the, just those quick brief glimpses of, you know, just really what was probably pretty horrific, what he had to go through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, you could tell just from what we saw that it was really, really bad, you know, because as we know, Manicore don't play, right? Like, you know, they, if they want your memory scrubbed, they, they scrub it well. Yeah. And uh, then I love the scene, you know, Max goes to Logan for help. Can you look up a name? Dear, that's what I do, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm paraphrasing. Right. <laughs> uh, Alec gets another piano phone call that triggers another memory. And we find out exactly what the problem is and that he was ordered to take out both the father and the daughter. We learn, you know, the reason that he was to take out the father, that the father owned a company that was one of Manticore's main suppliers, but apparently he got a little too curious. Sure. So they sent Alec in to find out what it is he knew. And I guess once he got those files, they realized that he's a little too curious, take him out. And you know what? Take the daughter out. Why? to send a more powerful message. Yeah, so this is kind of funny. Well, I mean, not funny. It's horrific, but I'm listening to uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. I'm listening to an old podcast about Genghis Khan, and that's like exactly what Genghis Khan would do. You know, like when he, like early on especially, when I go to a town and I'm going to take over this thing and I'm going to rape and pillage, I'm going to rape and pillage and kill everybody so that the next time I go to a town, they'll just surrender right away like right. I'll, I'll make the first one so horrific send a message to everyone else so um and that's kind of you know machiavellian before machiavelli and uh and certainly uh manticore follows that philosophy as well right and, and it's so telling that alec balks and we're thinking like wait a minute you're an x5 this is you were this is what you were created to do why would you balk? Right. Well, it, especially since they had all those other X-5s that left, why is there any doubt? Why is there anything in his mind at all except for blind obedience? Yeah. And, and then you start thinking, and again, I, I know I've mentioned Dollhouse already once, but you know that whole idea about how she basically and gradually became self-aware, even though theoretically her mind had been wiped her personality had been wiped but it sort of like bled through and she started having more and more memories and i i don't know i mean what caused this well i mean i think basically it's the mind is a really super complex and powerful thing and that you you can't take a person and turn him or her into a robot exactly and no matter how much control you think you have like right. you said, the mind is so powerful, you can't plan for everything. Exactly. 
So, well, Beresford tells Alec that he's sending his daughter to stay with relatives. And at first I'm thinking that it has something to do with him yeah. learning about Alec, but if that doesn't sure. seem to be it. Tells him, no, it's not it at all. But yeah, that was totally my suspicion at first as well. I thought, oh, he's recognizing that, uh, you know, his daughter's falling for the piano teacher. So he's sending her away, but right. that's not it at all. Right. Because you almost get the idea that he would be okay with that, <clears throat> you know, because he seems to like that. Yeah, he's a very fatherly way towards what Simon, I guess, is his name. Right. But the truth comes out. The father says sometimes the right things can go so wrong. And we know that Alec's thinking the same thing about his involvement here uh, you know, as, as an assassin now tasked to take both of them out. And we wonder what the father means. Sometimes the right things can go so wrong. You know, is the father thinking that, that his company is somehow responsible for furthering the manticore agenda well you know and here's the 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 moral conundrum with robert beresford because you know we he's obviously supposed to be like a good guy caught in the traps of a bad thing but i mean this guy was already in bed with manticore and he's a pharmaceutical company so it's like his innocence in this is dubious at best i think in my mind yeah i agree with you so we see scenes of Alec building the bomb for the mission, and that alternates with him in the present going to the house, though we really don't know what his plan is at this point. I was a little surprised he told Rachel the truth after he tells her to leave town with her father, tells her it was his job. I guess maybe that's inexperience with relationships. Not That generally does not end well. when Yeah, you there's probably a lot better way. Well, honestly, when you really think about it, like – did they really need someone in deep cover to plant the car bomb, hide it in the bushes and set it off, right? Right. Well, they didn't, but I guess they needed somebody to be able to get the files and find out what he knew. But like you said- but Did and, he even do that? Did, did he steal any files? Yeah, yeah. You see him with the computer and he gets- uh, uh, Oh, like, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's a little SD card. Right. Okay. But 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 like you said, that. clearly they don't need him to set the bomb because he doesn't set the bomb. Right. Well, he sets the bomb. He just doesn't set it off. Yes, right. So the car explodes, but it doesn't appear that he detonated it. Like we said- uh, then we realize there's a Manticore car nearby that that did it, ushers him into their car, and then we see his mind being wiped at Manticore and him being placed in solitary confinement, I suppose, because he didn't complete his mission. And we wonder... Well, they they, was they that, stuck him down in the basin with anomalies, right? Yeah, so was that it for him? You know, we don't know. Well, no, 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 because he's back out when... Uh, yeah. When um when Max goes back to Manticore, oh right in the fatigue, Alec is he's back out and running the show. Remember, so. right, 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 right. So um, yeah, no, that's not it for him. Definitely not. So Alec bursts into the house only to find that Beresford's alive and set him up. And I, I'm wondering how is it that Alec allowed this guy to tie him to a chair? Yeah, no, <laughs> right. Yeah. He knocks all the uh, the security guards out, and then okay, this guy's got a gun to his head. Well. Yeah. Okay. You're an X five dude, but, but you know what we call willing suspension of disbelief. Well, you know, but, and that's what I thought at first. And then I thought, no, he allowed it. Right. Right. Because this is what I deserve. He wants to die. He wants to be punished. Right. And you know, whether he thinks this guy has the nerve to go through with it or not, I'm at least going to give the guy the chance. Right. Well, he's saying, you know, he's like, you know, kill me, kill me. You know, he's like, he's just, 
urging him. He's beyond asking. He's he's commanding him to kill him. And so again, here's where you know, like Alex is pain, right? That, yeah. Like that's he. It, this isn't just because of Rachel. There's all kinds of other things that that he's just desperate for someone to put a bullet in his head. Yeah. And not that know, that does anything, as we saw with Zach. Well, right, right exactly. <laughs> so he goes to Rachel's bedside. I should have tried harder. I didn't understand how much I loved you. And Max is watching from the doorway. And you know, I think I'm past hoping that this scene gets you know exp- expanded on in the next episode, and perhaps they talk about what she heard. But I'm pretty sure it's not going to. Uh, and, and, you know, whether it will down the road, I don't know, but, you know, we learned so much about Alec in this episode and you'd like to think she does as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's despite what they've learned about each other. It's like, like he just wants things to be status quo, like as they were, like, just leave me alone. Is that's still his attitude at the end of the, uh, of the episode. Right. Yeah. Well, well, sure. And, but it gets back to, it, was this his first love? Maybe his only love. And yeah, only would be a, a pretty good uh, assessment, I would say. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, you know, you, you know, you mentioned about the shaking, and his hands are shaking a, a, at the end. There, I don't know. Max sees the anguish that that he's experiencing, and I guess she knows better than to say anything because I think she knows what kind of retort he would come back with but uh, you know she like us we we would understand why he would do that right well and, and max is still kind of like this we all need each other right and because yeah. she say she's basically pleading with him just tell me what's going on now before it gets bad and then we have to come in and save you when things are, are bad like let's try working out now and he's just like no way you know leave me alone yeah so well, we get to the closing scene and, you know, she's got a completely new view of Alex. So he goes to see Logan, who shows her Rachel's death notice, and he makes that connection. You know, I used to know a girl that was like that, you know, thought she could do it all on her own. And yeah, yeah. so I, I, I thought that was cool. Right. But then we see Alec and he's got a tie and the raincoat standing at her grave. Her father shows up, tells him not to come back again. And you almost think that if you come back again, I'll kill you. But no, it's just the opposite, that I thought I could kill you, but I don't want to be like you. Right. And well, and the, the irony is is Alec doesn't want to be like Alec. Right. And it's you know? like, and, and I guess if- it's, fa- it's almost like he could have said to him, do you think I want to be like this? You right. think I had a choice? Well, right. And if the father only knew how much that hurt Alec t- for him to say that. Yeah. Because like you said, you think I want to be like that? I don't, but- and then we're back at Jam Pony. Max tells Alec that if he ever needs to talk, now why would I want to do that? Yeah. yeah. And, and then thanks her for saving his ass. Yeah. Right? Which is pretty good as far as Alec goes, right? Yeah. So does he just wish to leave it in the past? And I mean, will he ever be able to come to terms with the things that he's done under Manticore's control? But I guess he doesn't see it that way. And, and I guess you understand that. I mean, he should be able to forgive himself, but it's going to take time. And I guess we forget that it really hasn't been all that long. No, and, and that's like the two years because we think like, oh, this is way, way, way in the past, right? But it was only two years ago, which really isn't that long ago. 
Right. So they haven't even been out of Mandacore all that long. No. So, you know, pretty good. I mean, I'd definitely give this one an A. I, not an A plus, but 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 an A. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was definitely a Jensen Ackles centric episode. You got to give it an A for sure. Yeah, because it was nice to see him in a more serious approach because we always see him as Alec the jokester and 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 that's cool I, I really love that character but like anything even with Joshua tonight we got to see a deeper side of Joshua and yeah we'll see how it goes yeah it was but, good yeah it's good. all right anything else um uh, no okay I think that's about it well it is a great time or a bad time to be a genre TV fan because I'll tell you I, I don't even oh. have a prayer of keeping up. Yeah, yeah. There's no way. I'm like, uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know how some people do it. Well, there's like a Into the Badlands. I mean, that looks like really cool, but I'm just like, man, I can't take on another show right now. I just can't do it. Yeah. So, well, anyway, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Love to hear from you about Dark Angel, Firefly, or anything else you think we should be watching, as if we would have the time to actually watch it. <laughs> you can uh, always make a suggestion, right? Well, Whatever sure, for us to do like a pilot of something, you know, the way we did with Jessica Jones. Uh, we'd also like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next week when we discuss dark angel episode 12 of season two titled borrowed time but until then you know dave with an episode so much about pain it was really painful to hear and one of the characters here the exact same words that came out like my very first date that she said to me i don't want your pity i want your absence <laughs>